Really? I feel like I remember that. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. Okay, so let's start the podcast now. Okay. Okay, so the name of this podcast is Songwriters Therapy, where we're going to get deep about the songs that you've written. I'm frightened. Yeah. Okay, so uh, this is podcast number one, Songwriters Therapy. I'm here with uh, Cheyenne Hurd. Hi. Hello. Hello, Andrew. How we, are you doing? Cheyenne just walked in. <laughs> Sorry, podcast jokes. Um, so Cheyenne, let's start by like just introducing who you are and why you are on this podcast called Songwriters Therapy. Okay. Um, I'm 26 years old. I'll be 27 next month, right? Am I 25 and I'm going to be 26? <laughs> You know how when you get older, it's like every year, it's like, what age am I again? <laughs> What's my age again? Yeah. Not 23. Yeah, exactly. That's such okay. a good joke for this podcast. I'm going to be Thank 26 you. next month. And um, I've been playing music and writing songs since I was 12. And I play in a band with my brother and some other cool people called Pine and Palm here in Stockton, California. Awesome. Yeah, I uh, I remember seeing you for the first time in Pine and Palm at uh, Blackwater, which is the Stockton institution. It's kind of been around forever. Yeah, I had my sweet 16 there. Really? Yeah. Did you play a show? No, it was before I was playing in bands. I was just a musical theater nerd at the time. And so I would go out there on like open mic nights and just watch people play. So I was obsessed with the place and my mom knew the owner. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's such a good story. I know. It's such a trip because Back then, I mean, it's gone through like four owners since yeah. then, but yeah. back then they had this huge water heater in the bathroom yep. and everybody used to sign it all yep. the time. So there was a huge sign written on it that said Cheyenne's Sweet 16. But oh my gosh, I, I probably saw that at some I know, point. right? So uh, when you were 16, that was probably when Linda was the owner. Yep. Yeah, Linda was awesome. She was so cool. She yeah. loved the music scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, was really she's rad. a good supporter. Seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah, Blackwater. I, I feel like Blackwater is going to come up a lot on this podcast as I like, mostly am going to interview people from Stockton. Yeah, definitely. Blackwater, yeah. Plea for Peace. Plea for Peace. Mm -hmm. Mitta. Mitta will be here at some point, I'm sure. Uh, like my, because my, I don't know if I'm jumping into this no, too quickly, jump into but it. like my mom knew a lot of the people from the music scene in Stockton because my grandpa, my mom's dad, had a little recording studio in his house and used to have musicians over all the time in the 90s. And cool. so he knew Linda and Mitta very well. So mm -hmm. like I got kind of phased into the music scene before it was even like playing in a band or anything, just like as a child. Nice. <laughs> uh, did the recording studio have a name? No, I, I don't even know if he was like recording things and trying to share them with anybody. I think it was more just a place to jam. And then people would come. He always used to tell the story of like, They'd be jamming in the living room and then some guy would be walking by and he'd hear the music and he'd just pop in and play with them. I don't know if that was really true, but like that's how he pitched it. <laughs> I would believe it because uh, one time at band practice, uh, when we were practicing at Oscar's parents' house in Lodi, some guy just came into the garage and was like, let me play with you guys. What? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Did you guys let him? Yeah, for like one, one little <laughs> song. He was like a, a much older man. Aww. Um, so it's kind of interesting, you know, how like some like, oh man, I remember when I was young being in a band like you oh, guys. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Love those stories. But sometimes you like don't know what to do because you're trying like sometimes practice is like work, you know? It's like we need yeah. to get this done because we have a show coming up and we haven't played together in two months. So and we all remember. work full time jobs and we can barely get together for practice. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure you know you know how that goes. Absolutely. Especially like um, you know, I always say uh being in a band is like uh a romantic relationship, but times four. Yeah. Um, 
but on top of that, you also have uh, like four different people or more living separately. Yep. Um, so it's so hard to, to schedule that type of thing. Yeah, I swear I've noticed a lot in the local music scene that the best bands come out of people living together yeah. because that, that's how Pine and Palm formed was me and my brother living together mm-hmm. and having so much time together that we were like, let's just start writing songs together. But once you're not living together anymore, mm-hmm. it gets much harder to like get together and write. You end yeah. up writing a lot separately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the funny things is, you know, Mike uh, Gonzalez from my band, we used to live together. Oh, yeah. But we didn't work on on like um, we didn't work on those beekeepers stuff at all when we lived together. Uh, but there are multiple other bands in that house, like Daniel from Filbert um, and Caleb from Cars and Snakes, who yeah. Daniel was also in that band. I don't know if you remember them. But... I, I don't rem- like I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah everybody like else. Old, old Stockton. Yeah. People. I yeah. missed out on that stuff. I mean, like, I feel like because I wasn't in the rock music scene for so mm-hmm. long, I was, I originally playing in the music scene in Stockton was just in the singer songwriter scene entirely, yeah. just me and my acoustic guitar until Tanner was graduated from high school and he was like, I need to teach you how to play electric guitar. That's awesome. <laughs> and how to build a pedal board and everything. Yeah. So, you know. um, when did you learn how to play guitar? Um, it's so weird because it's not like I ever really learned. It was like I was 12. My I've been surrounded by music in my life forever. My dad played guitar mm-hmm. and my grandpa played guitar and my grandpa on my other side of the family played bass. And like my mom always, I think my parents had this idea, like I was going to be a musician. Like mm-hmm. they wanted to make me one. <laughs> and so they bought me a guitar when I was 12 and it had, I still have it. It's a Takamini and it's, got flowers and butterflies all over it Mm -hmm. and they you know force fed me not I mean that I was glad and loved it but they definitely like introduced me to female singer songwriters intentionally because they wanted me to Mm -hmm. write music like they very much encouraged me to do it so I think maybe the first thing I learned was my mom taught me how to play an A chord and a D chord and I just have this like vision in my mind of my mom with her French manicured nails like barely being able to press down on the guitar and Dolly Parton yeah and and she didn't play guitar but she just knew little things from her dad teaching Mm -hmm. her and so she taught me a D and an A and I wrote a song called Mascara that was a D and an A and that's That's it awesome I don't want to like inject my own story too much here, but I think the first two chords I learned were D and A. And the first song I wrote was no, no lyrics or anything. It was just like D to A to yeah. D to A. You know, I, that reminds me though, because I think before that, my dad bought me and my brother first act Walmart guitars, you nice. know, like, mm-hmm. you know, that first act brand. Yeah, yeah. And they were, I mean, probably half size guitars. They were so small mm-hmm. and we didn't have guitar picks or anything. We just had pennies and we would play oh open string. We would write songs with like no chords, just <laughs> writing from like the open strings. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's such a, a common experience among musicians where you're like gifted a, a guitar at a young age. Like, yep. um, my first guitar is is that one over there. I'm pointing to uh, a guitar against the wall. Is it the, the middle one? Yeah, the middle one. Uh, they so they bought it at Music Box for forty dollars. Yeah. They bought two of them. One for me and my brother. We Mine got was for from Christmas. Music Box as well. And I <laughs> never learned how to play that guitar until like probably three or four years later, uh, when in, I was finally in sixth grade, and my friend was like, "You need to learn guitar, and we're going to start a band." And I definitely played with a penny as a pick or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So. Which is funny. Cause it's like, why didn't I just go to the store and get a yeah. 95 cent pick? But yeah, <laughs> no, you don't. Well, well, first of all, like when you're 12 years old or however old you were, 
how do you get to the store without like I know asking your parents and like uh, you know did they we have didn't a pickup have Amazon way? back then? Kids. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, but man. like that, it's the same thing for me where I had that guitar sitting in my closet for like I mean I, I think mm. my dad got those first act guitars for us when I was like eight, and then I didn't actually start learning or caring about learning to play until mm-hmm. I was about twelve, and yeah. then. I was just obsessed with Jewel mainly. Mm-hmm. Jewel was my big one. Love I got, Jewel. I know, I mean, how can you not? But yeah. I got the Pieces of You album from Rasputin in the like used 295 mm-hmm. <laughs> like CD section. Nice. And I was just enthralled with the idea of like singing and playing guitar. But I didn't get good at playing guitar until like I was out of high school. Like, yeah. Because I, I mainly just used it as a tool to mm-hmm. be able to sing. I just didn't have anyone to play for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually think that that is, um, I don't know if it's common, but I think that's such an interesting thing with songwriters where um, the the difference between like maybe a songwriter and a musician is a songwriter will learn an instrument as a vessel to be able to sing or write. And write, yeah, write to. totally. And I feel like I was the same way. I, I'm still not good at guitar. Um, and That's not true. Well, <laughs> thank you. I was fishing for a compliment there. But uh, no, I feel the same way. I feel like I, I didn't really feel confident up until maybe the last like five or six years playing guitar, you know, not until like my mid-20s. And a lot yeah. of that is I just wanted to sing. Um, and I was never really a great singer either. And I definitely feel like I've grown into that maybe through just necessity. wanting it. You oh, just yeah. want it so mm-hmm. bad. And, you know, necessity, mm-hmm. you know, you get up in front of people and there's only so many times you can embarrass yourself. <laughs> yeah. We, us like girls in the, and femmes in the music scene, we always talk about how male singers never become male singers because they want to be. They just do it because nobody else wants to sing for the band. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to pivot, but actually to go back to a question that I had when you're talking about the guitars that, um, and we'll also get back to to that point. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, um, no. That's not even an important point. <laughs> but you said that your dad had bought you and Tanner two guitars. I was wondering, um, since uh, Pine and Palms, like, such an awesome local band that I, I like Thank when I you. first saw you guys, I was like, this band is incredible. Thank like you. I have to play a show with them or something. Um, so did you see us play before we played together then? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think you played at Blackwater and I was just there for some reason. I think it might've been your first show at Blackwater. Yeah. Um, you had uh, definitely a different drummer. Yeah. And, We've and gone through four player. drummers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's like playing in bands. Yeah. You know what the thing is? People are like, oh, my, my drummer is not reliable or, or or for one reason or another, they moved away. I don't want to, I'm not not saying why you went through four drummers. But <laughs> drummers I, are, I will they're say, like that. <laughs> I will say that drummers, while it, it might be a, um, I'm going to edit my, uh, my stumbling here, but uh, <laughs> people feel like it's a fact that drummers are hard to come by. Drummers are very easy to come by. They're hard to keep around. Yeah. You know? And also I think the role of a drummer in a band is so much more difficult than other mm-hmm. roles. It's like you have to have a kit, which first of all is like the most expensive instrument you can get. Like, yeah. I mean, if you, you can play on a crappy hundred dollar guitar for years, but if you have a hundred dollar kit, you sound like shit you know can i cuss on this (laughs) yeah yeah of course but you know you also need i know fucking drummers but you need a the drummer is almost always the one who provides the Mm -hmm. practice space because they already need a space for them to practice that they can be loud in and it's been i think it was harder up until recently because now people can get electric drum kits and practice in their headphones but back 
you know, in, I mean, my grandpa always talks about how the drummers were the most frustrating people because they didn't, wouldn't practice outside of playing in the band because they can't just sit there and play without any music. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's just a tough role. To yeah, fill. definitely. Um, on that note, I do want to shout out, uh, my drummer, Oscar, who yeah, has been so like awesome. a dear friend for like 20 years. Um, we met when we were like in, uh, in high school Aww. and, uh, you know, I love him to death. So Shout out to Oscar. Oh, he's so chill. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, there's definitely been bands that I've played in that he hasn't played drums for, but I feel like he has played drums for every single band I've been in at some point. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so it's definitely like one of the most consistent like, Reliable. forces in my life. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I feel like there was a question I was gonna ask. Oh, oh about the two guitars. Yeah. So um what is your like your journey and Tanner's journey as far as like learning music? Like what was like the parallels in that? And like, when did you guys go, we should do this together yeah. and make this band called Pine and Palm? It's so weird because I mean, Tanner should totally come on here because he has, yeah. I mean, from we spent a lot of our time in our lives apart because our parents are divorced and we ended up being split up by mm-hmm. them. So he has his own perspective on a lot of the journey, but like I'm three years older than Tanner. So there was, I think three years around that time, like that chunk of separation and age is really weird because you go through a time where you feel that separation a lot. So like when we were kids, we shared a room until I was like 13. So Mm -hmm. we were very close and made music all the time. We wrote this song when I was like, maybe like 12 or 13 called party in the park Mm -hmm. for my niece because my niece didn't get invited to her friend's birthday party and she was really upset about it so to cheer her up we like wrote a song about that it was the first technically pine and palm song ever we always say but party in the park party in the park and it was really funny and sad and like it was just made to cheer up our niece but uh then when I went to high school Tanner ended up going to middle school in a different county with my dad where my dad lived because they live up at the foothills. Mm -hmm. And so we were a little separated for a while. But also, like, even though we were close emotionally, like we were just when I was in high school and he was in middle school, you feel that difference a lot. You know what I mean? I mean, he was just so young compared to me getting to be like, go to my friends after school and like do whatever I want. So Mm -hmm. in that time, Tanner picked up an electric guitar and my dad got him a Marshall stack. Just saying like classic. Well, I'd like to say that I am the girl, so I got the acoustic guitar, and oh. he's the guy, and he got the Marshall stack. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Have you had that conversation with your dad? Oh, well, my dad's passed away now, but oh, I'm like, sorry. oh yeah, but it's like you know, it wasn't intentional. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just they yeah. don't think about it that way. It's kind of the the unfortunate thing about gender norms, air quotes, is that they're so built into us. Like I catch myself all the time doing something or saying something, or like, hey dudes, how's it going? Um, or hey. I even like to Dennis earlier, he uh, said, we're on our way. I was like, oh, can't wait to see you guys or something like that. Right. Referring to things. And right. And, uh, you know, it's so it's so built into us as a society that sometimes it's hard to um, to not see when like maybe you should have gotten Cheyenne a Marshall stack. Yeah. You know, I mean, and then there's also it like it comes from so much like behind the scenes because mm-hmm. I wasn't asking for a Marshall stack yeah. either. I was like, like I said, I was obsessed with Jewel while Tanner was obsessed with Kiss. And oh, so it nice. only makes sense. But also like, would I have been obsessed with Kiss if I had been introduced to it and been pushed to listen to it? Yeah, it just it, it's not nobody's fault. It's just like, I'd like to note that I probably would have played electric guitar earlier yeah. in my life if I had been exposed to it and yeah. been like, you know, welcomed into that world rather than pushed into like the singer songwriter world. 
And every time I played anywhere at that age, mm -hmm. when I was in high school, it's like I was a blonde girl with an acoustic guitar. So guess who I was? Taylor Swift. Everywhere oh, I went. Geez. That's all I got compared to. Even though my music sounded nothing like her, mm -hmm. I wasn't writing anything like what she would, you know, not no, no diss on Taylor Swift because yeah. I like Taylor Swift. Yeah. But it was interesting to me that I was writing rock songs, but because I was a blonde girl with an acoustic guitar, nobody could see that that's what I was writing. Yeah. I thought I thought of myself as like Courtney Love, but nobody oh saw gosh. that. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, my. I love Courtney Love and Hole. Yeah. I, I don't know how unpopular opinion that is, but it shouldn't like be. celebrity skin. That song is just yeah. amazing. Doll parts. Doll, oh, <laughs> so I covered good. doll parts at um at a um open mic recently. Nice. No one knew it. <laughs> What the heck? I know. Yeah, I so that bummed. album is one one that was like definitely formed me in my youth. And I was lucky because I had I did have my dad showing me Tom Petty, Steve Miller band, like mm -hmm. all that stuff. But then I had my mom who my mom was my mom's almost 10 years younger than my dad. And so she was on that precipice of like female rock music. And she was really into that stuff, like the Donnas. And, mm -hmm. and she showed me all that, thankfully, because I think I would have had a hole in my knowledge of like female rock music, like Alanis Morissette and things like that. If yeah. I hadn't had her in my life, you know, yeah. every other person in my life who listened to rock music was all male rock music. Cause mm -hmm. there just wasn't as much of it. Then. Yeah. So, yeah. but then when Tanner got into high school, mm -hmm. he started playing in metal bands and oh, nice. he was like a shredder. He played drums for a band. He played bass for a band. The dude can pick up any instrument and be like amazing at it. That's but, awesome. um, and then I was playing in a folk rock band. Mm -hmm. Originally, it was me and my best friend playing in a band called The House Keys. And it was just the two of us. <laughs> That's so cute. We fancied ourselves Tegan and Sarah. And, oh, gosh. And then uh, when we graduated, we got a drummer and a bass player who was my best friend's boyfriend was the bass player. Mm -hmm. And we were called The Skinny. And we were playing kind of like reggae, ska. Not reggae. Like ska. It's like no doubt had the, type stuff. the feeling of that. Yes. <laughs> but did you have a horn section? No, yeah. I wish. But we had this drummer who was like um, trained like in band and jazz mm -hmm. band and stuff. Yeah. So he was just like the main focus of our band. Totally. He kind of yeah. took it over. <laughs> I feel like um, local rock bands that are formed out of a uh, school band. So like if you're in jazz band or school band or symphonic, whatever, it always happens to turn into some band that is like reggae, funk, ska yeah. style. Like I, I think it's because they feel challenged by those genres. And yeah, that rock yeah. music is born out of people not playing as well, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just the truth. Like garage yeah. rock comes from people not really knowing how to play their instruments as mm -hmm. well, but wanting to anyways. Yeah. But I, I've definitely experienced both sides where we've had drummers who aren't as, they're more amateur and they weren't, trained in school and things like that mm -hmm. and those drummers tend to suit the rock style more but they're also harder to like keep on tempo and things like yeah. that but then we've also had the drummers that are like so well trained that they're almost bad for us because they're just bored yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah I feel like you need to keep your keep your drummer like just bad enough so they won't leave no I'm just kidding I'm just kidding <laughs> hinder them yeah it's like a child that you blow smoke on so they don't get bigger <laughs> yeah. oh gosh that's awful but, shine. No, I'm just kidding. I know. I'm going to be an excellent parent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like when I graduated, I and we were having that band, The Skinny, we played out Plea for Peace all the mm -hmm. time. We played at Blackwater and then my best friend and her boyfriend broke up. So the, mm -hmm. the classic, like my band after high school broke up because my friend's boyfriend and her broke up. Yeah. <laughs> but 
I was missing playing in a band so badly. And then Tanner moved in with me right out of mm-hmm. high school when he graduated. And we were like, we both need bands. Let's just make one together. And that's awesome. Tanner, I mean, I can't say good enough things about Tanner. He's like an amazing songwriter and an amazing inspirational. Like he's almost better at making me a good songwriter and I'm good at making him a good songwriter. And mm-hmm. we know each other so well that we like push each other to say more vulnerable things about our lives and stuff like that yeah i just want to say how jealous i am (laughs) of you and tanner's uh like musician um pairing because uh so me and my sister are very close um i would say like hopefully in the same way that you and tanner are as far as like you know, pushing each other and just being good friends that are also siblings. It's liking each other. Yeah. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not like that with my other siblings. Yeah, me either. I mean, I have three other siblings other than Tanner. So yeah, but, um, she always wanted to play bass and she actually, you know, picked up bass and can play like some Aquabat songs, like super good, but we just never, every time I tried to get her to, um, you know, she played a couple shows with me or I tried to get her to learn songs. Um, I think maybe it was a stage fighter thing type thing. So we never really got to that point where it was a consistent totally. thing. So I'm jealous of that. And like, kudos to you guys. For Let me just, tell you like, though, it's, it's it. hard. <laughs> it's well, like, it's way harder than being in a band with just a friend because yeah. we are so willing to just say how we feel to each other because mm-hmm. we're siblings that sometimes it gets, I mean, we, we, Anybody who's played in a band with us Mm -hmm. and also anybody in my life can attest to the fact that we fight a lot, but not in a way that you would think. I don't think that we fight where we like hate each other Mm -hmm. or anything. We just fight a lot because we are so both opinionated and we are stubborn and we never trust what the other person says because I'm like, that's my little brother. And he's like, that's my big sister, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, as, as far as you guys maybe like clashing and fighting on stuff like that, how, how does that affect maybe other band members or, or the, the flow of like the band? Yeah. It, we, we've gotten better at it. it yeah. It's interesting because we started the band, just the two of us, and we just mm-hmm. had a drum machine and the two of us. And I definitely say it was easier then. <laughs> I mean, we didn't have to worry about arranging practice with other people. And also we could fight and it didn't bother others because to us we're not fighting but yeah from the external standpoint it can seem like yeah. we're fighting yeah when really we're just being opinionated we're like you know i mean um when we first started our band we talked a lot about how uh sibling other sibling bands break up a lot because yeah. it's really hard it puts pressure on your relationship yeah but you I can't think, all be Hanson. No, exactly. Can't all be Tegan and Sarah, which also like Tegan and Sarah speak openly about how much they fought throughout sure. the years. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely been the same for us. But I think that we're, we've grown up a lot and we both are really respectful of each other now. And we've learned how to not shut each other's opinions down mm-hmm. immediately. And I think that you do that with any band members, yeah. but yeah. it is hard when you have two songwriters in the band and like we disagree a lot but Mm -hmm. we have come to have the same vision of what our band is supposed to be so it gets easier to decide what we should do and not do so Mm -hmm. but as far as affecting other band members it does suck because I feel like they get put in a position where they have to take sides yeah and they don't want to because we're siblings and they Mm -hmm. don't they don't want to make us fight more yeah but the more relationship we build like our bass player miles they will take sides but also be very pragmatic and like logical about it and Mm -hmm. be you know, they just say, you know, Cheyenne's right, <laughs> like, or Tanner's right. And that's it. And it has nothing to do with a fight. It's just, 
what's best for the song. And I think we've gotten better at doing that. Just That's being good. like, serve the song rather yeah. than serve your ego, you know? Yeah. I, I have a lot of questions actually about um, working with another songwriter or um, having that, this like dual songwriter band. Um, you know, a, a lot of my questions, I guess, as a songwriter and wanting to chat with other songwriters probably stem from like my own experiences as a songwriter. So I don't want to like push those upon the podcast too much, but I, I think my first question really has to do with, uh, you know, very simply, like, how, how do you choose, you know, your two different songwriters and how do you say, like, okay, this album is going to have these, this many of my songs and this many of yours yeah. or this, which ones are going to go on? Um, I will say, like, how I've solved or how my group of musicians have solved that is everyone had their own band and mm -hmm. we were all the same members of five different bands. So, yeah. I, you know, this band Philbert was Daniel's writing thing. This band Al Attack was Mike's writing thing. And then Los Beekeepers was, you know, Andrew wrote all the songs for Los Beekeepers. And I think we're trying to get to a point where we're growing out of that. But I'm just really curious about yeah. how, how you guys, you know, have worked that out when you've wrote songs separately. Yeah. Um, I think that in the beginning, we were both really like, it has to be equal. Like mm -hmm. if we were putting out an EP, it has to be two songs that Tanner wrote and two songs that I wrote. And we both were like, I think not wanting to step on the other one's toes. Mm -hmm. And also like Tanner and I are really, really similar in the way that we become prolific in times of distress, but in <laughs> times of like good times, we don't write at all. Yeah, I know so, that. <laughs> yeah, so there'll be months where Tanner writes 10 songs and I haven't written anything. And then there'll be months where I'm writing 10 songs and Tanner hasn't written anything. Mm -hmm. So those, it makes it weird during those times because yeah. it'll be like, we're learning a bunch of Tanner songs or we're learning a bunch of Cheyenne songs. But um, I think over the, I mean, we've been playing In Pine and Palm for four years now. Yeah. So I think over the years, it's become we know when a song is a pine and palm song and we know when a song isn't and it can mm -hmm. be something that we just make on our own which rarely happens anymore i think tanner and i are both so open-minded about what pine and palm is and what yeah. the genre is that we kind of allow anything like on the new album that we're writing and recording right now is there's a funk song there's <laughs> like you know things that aren't necessarily in our genre yeah but tanner has this other side of him i think that pine and palm as a songwriting standpoint comes more from my songwriting like mm -hmm. taste um, just because it, we formed it that way thinking like yeah. we want it to be a soft indie rock band. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of music that I tend to write. Tanner writes that kind of music and also has another side where he writes metal and like emo music. And mm -hmm. that side doesn't, sometimes it cross paths with pine and palm. You know, we have some songs that are like that darker and yeah. heavier and have more introspective lyrics mm -hmm. and, he, uh, I think that he's a little protective over some of those songs where he doesn't want to let them be pun and palm songs because he doesn't want them to get watered down or, or be the wrong genre. Mm -hmm. Uh, but over the years, I think that we both have just formed such a clear vision of what we want pine and palm to be that now we're both writing pun and palm songs all the time, all the time together, That's awesome. you know? Yeah. Um, so you sent over four demos from your new album and I've actually heard most of them live. Right. So uh, it was it was awesome just to listen to them while I was working today. Um, but I will say versus old Pine and Palm, I, I'm so like so excited and happy to see um, Tanner sing more 
Mm-hmm. Um, That's so definitely come from my insistence. <laughs> it sounds so. It sounds so great. Uh, both of your voices together yeah. too. It's just I this swear new, that genetics like does something yeah. about with that. <laughs> I don't know. It makes like the hair on my neck stand up. Aww. It was like when Thank I you. when I saw you guys live too. I was like, this is so good. Thank you. Um, it always makes me yeah. mad and kind of and jealous because I spent years in choir and then was a opera major at Delta mm-hmm. <laughs> and honed my voice over years and years and Tanner just can just do it naturally he's just Lucky. such a good singer Lucky. and it's weird too because he was in metal bands and he did screaming and he mm. he can do anything he can do like punk sounding vocals he can do soft McDemarco type vocals <laughs> like he can do it all I'm I'm super jealous I know that. and I it just comes voice. naturally <laughs> I disagree I think that you have some nuance <laughs> yeah thank you um yeah so I like I said I'm super excited to hear Tanner singing more but um for older Pine and Palm stuff that Tanner wrote, what was your experience like singing someone else's, like as a songwriter, singing someone else's song as an original? It's not yeah. like you're covering. It's um, That's an interesting, just an interesting thing I haven't yeah. experienced. I'm curious it's about. It's awesome. It's like the best feeling in the world. And I don't know if it's because Tanner's my brother, but mm-hmm. I'm his biggest fan. I I am usually the he's usually the one who says I don't want this song on the album. I'm I'm like embarrassed mm-hmm. of it. And I kind of am the one who pushes him to do it. Um, he usually has a clear idea in his mind when he writes the song, whether he wants me to sing it or if he wants him, he wants to sing it. And sure. it, it's I think over the years, he's become more and more like you. I want you to sing it. I don't know That's why. Awesome. I think he's my biggest. He's I'm his biggest fan and vice versa, That's you know, cool. but um I love getting to sing Tanner's lyrics. It mm-hmm. makes me feel so close to him and it makes me think like, I mean, I, cause I know just like you were saying, I know what it's like to write a song and yeah. I know what it takes out of you and what mm. I know that every line has more meaning than what you can even think. Yeah. And so it gives me just like, awesome creative perspective on Tanner that I don't think I would have ever had if we didn't do this band together. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. It's really rad. Cool. Um, when when the both of you write mainly when he writes a song um sorry this is like taken away from tanner's podcast I, no no not uh, at all but <laughs> he um, has his own yeah. total perspective on everything so does he come to you with lyrics already written and then you do you get to do the melody for those lyrics or does he come like acoustic guitar this is the melody this yeah exactly lyrics. he always has his melody written he's a great that's awesome. songwriter yeah um and like I said, he usually knows if I'm going to sing or if he's going to sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gotten better over the years at like writing a song for my voice. Like yeah. in the beginning, it would be hard to translate because obviously like I'm a female. So I sing most of the time I'm singing an octave higher than Tanner because he has a nice low voice. Mm-hmm. But he's gotten better at like knowing what keys I like to sing in and what sounds good in my voice. And then he'll he kind of like instead of writing it for his voice and then giving it to me, he writes it with my voice in mind, which Mm -hmm. is cool. But back in the day when like we have some songs from back then that we didn't even put on any like official releases that were hard for me to sing. Like I was singing really high or singing really low just to try to match whatever Tanner wrote. And I did end up like there were some songs back then that I ended up changing the melody or, and I've even edited Tanner's lyrics at times much to his chagrin a lot of the time but sometimes i 
I am, I have ego and I think that I, just like I tell Tanner all the time, I think that he's a hundred times better at guitar than me, but I do think that like, I have some insight into songwriting that, yeah. that he needed when he was younger. I mm-hmm. think now he, I don't think I would ever edit something he writes nowadays, but mm-hmm. back then he was only 18. So yeah. well, I, one of the things that I, I always believed and loved about songwriting and songwriters is there's this mechanical process of songwriting that it's, it's a little bit beyond like, this is how I feel in the moment and the words I want to put down, but it's, uh, I, I can't say anything more than it's so it's mechanical, methodical. It's, um, it's, uh, it's a, it, it is a craft, right? Where you, you do need to practice it and understand the mechanics of how, how words might go together to better, better suit a song when it's performed. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, you kind of hit it on the head. Maybe he was younger and, and you just had a little bit more experience. Uh, he just wasn't ready. General. He wasn't ready to like drop the ego that you have in the beginning, where you think that you sit down and you feel emotions and you mm-hmm. write them down, and then that's good enough. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I that's think a big that thing. yeah, like yeah. learning how to edit your own lyrics is mm-hmm. so hard because originally you think that anything you write, if it's emotional, then that's all that matters. It's mm-hmm. like, which is very true, yeah. Yeah. but you can say things in a better way. Sometimes you can mm-hmm. make it more eloquent or make it more, uh, impactful or yeah. instead of saying the same lyric over and over, you can rephrase it in a different way later in the song. And just little things like that. I think he almost had to learn how yeah. to do those things. Just like I had to learn. Yeah. I mean, he taught me, I would just on our new album that we're writing and recording right now, I finally have my first guitar solo. Ooh, and so it's nice. Tanner is entirely the person who taught me how to do that. Mm. I would have never felt uh, capable of being able to do something like that until he, you know, took me like a baby and (laughs) rocked me into sleep. (laughs) That's awesome. But I think that with songwriting, I've just been doing it for so long that Mm -hmm. I I think I have um, perspective. And it's nice, too, to have a third person, you know, or a third party look at your lyrics and be mm-hmm. like, mm, this could be better, you know? Yeah, yeah. I wish I had that. Tanner, he he is so nice to me about my lyrics. He always thinks that they're so smart and good. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, are you sure you don't, do you think I should change this part here? Or do you think I should go back to the same words here instead of changing them? But he, he like I said, he's my biggest fan and he always pumps me up and makes me think that I write wonderful songs. So that's awesome. I know it's, I'm really lucky in that regard. <laughs> yeah. So what is like a typical uh, word writing process for you as far as like getting ideas down and and maybe editing or rearranging um like nine times out of ten I usually start a song with a line of lyrics mm-hmm. that I think of and I have my like notepad in my phone of course like mm-hmm. every songwriter does yeah. where you're working your nine to five and then you're <laughs> like hmm this would make a good song or you just think of a phrase that's poignant to you and suddenly the emotions behind something that you've been wanting to write a song about the words just come out mm-hmm. and then you can sit down and form a song around that, whatever that phrase or like I tend, I think I tend to write choruses first at, for that reason, because I always think that choruses need to be poignant. And so yeah. it ends up forming around that, but I don't really have a process because I feel like I, I've <laughs> written every song differently. That's awesome. There's been some songs that I sat down and wrote in one sitting. And mm-hmm. then there's been songs that I, you know, like, grieved over for years and couldn't couldn't finish and finally got the right words to Mm -hmm. fit you know yeah finally cracked the code exactly yeah but it is like you said so much to it is mechanical and methodical because Mm -hmm. i'll i'll have a what i want to say and then i can't get it to be said in the right way like with the right 
amount of words per phrase and with the, you know, I can't get it. I'm not, I'm actually not the most eloquent person in the world, <laughs> but when I can labor over something, I can yeah. be eventually. Mm -hmm. So that's mainly my process is writing the feelings out and then I edit and edit, edit. and edit. Yeah. I Tanner's different. He writes off the cuff and yeah. it's almost all like nine times out of 10, it's perfect immediately. And then he gives it, I know. <laughs> and then he gives it to me and I'm like, mm, there's like two or three things you could yeah. change. But I am such a crazy editor that I think mm. by the time I bring it to the band, it's fully formed. I'm also like a big, more of a pop song writer. Yeah. So I think that pop songs take more editing than mm -hmm. like a, a rock song. Like Tanner's a true rock songwriter. He writes a lot like a Kurt Cobain where it's a lot of like in uh, cerebral, like kind of weird sounding things that mm -hmm. don't necessarily get hooky or like anything like that. But I edit because I want that to hook in your brain. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I will say about Pine and Palm songs. One of the things that got me early on was just the choruses and, and how uh, it had this great pop sensibility and I'm such a huge fan of of uh, pop music that also has like feeling and emotion and some of that cerebralness if that's yes, a word absolutely. I, I don't think the songs that that you know you've written lack that you know whether Thank you. you know whether <laughs> you're like aiming for a pop song or not um, you know. yeah it, it's weird because I didn't for years I didn't identify myself as a pop songwriter mm -hmm. I always thought like I resisted it in some yeah. way and now I've leaned into it more and I think it's made me a better songwriter That's because awesome. I feel like I am I I have found more artists too mm -hmm. that I can listen to that have pop sensibility I think it that we're on like we're in this era where pop music has gotten really good yeah and pop music used to be kind of garbage and had mm -hmm. some highlights throughout yeah. the years yeah. but now Mariah pop Carey. music. I, yeah <laughs> I mean I think that I think that we focused a lot more on this voice for yeah. a long time yeah. and now the singer songwriter age has like come to a climax and now there's so many what you would call a rock band mm -hmm. who are writing pop songs oh, yeah. and they're yeah. like so eloquent and well-written and, and just, uh, just as hooky as like, say an Ariana Grande song that has 10 writers on it, yeah. but only one person wrote it, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of what I go. That's my goal. If I'm trying to improve myself as a songwriter, I want to be somebody who can write a song that sounds like 10 writers had their hands on it. And like, mm -hmm. it got edited so much that it's perfect now, you know? Yeah. I, I think my like my personal opinion on the songs that have ten writers and have been edited a ton, they're not good pop songs anymore. I, I don't know what they are. That's just my opinion from stuff I've heard. I mean, um one of my favorite bands always has been Blink One Eighty Two, but mm. the stuff that they're doing now, no offense, sorry, Mark, <laughs> if you're listening. because um, he will. Um, of course. <laughs> you know, they they bring in uh, you know, this producer and and um the guy from uh i forget the the band but they have this you know big time producer guy right and then uh you look at at writing credits on their albums and it's not just you know mark and travis and guitar player totally um, but it's such uh, a cliche thing to yeah, say but just, like it is true the it's lyrics just... just aren't good on those yeah those songs but you look at something that you know maybe has like two writers that are in a band together and it's a great pop song you know yeah absolutely I think it comes from coming, not things not coming from the heart too. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's just, it sounds so cheesy, but it's so true. Like mm -hmm. it is so much easier to write something that connects to others when you're 
coming from a place that's true and true to yourself. Yeah. And when there's more than one person involved, they might not understand exactly Mm. what you're trying to say. You know, I think that like, for example, like Ariana Grande, of course, has a writer's room of probably Mm -hmm. 20 people. And, and I think that there are songs that she suddenly you're hearing her voice and like Mm -hmm. what she has to say. And those songs are are what connects to me more than the ones that get played on the radio. It sounds so cliche, but it's just the truth. Yeah. Yeah, It's just the truth. Yeah. I I mean, I wonder from a business perspective, why, why like these big time record labels have made the choice to have those. I mean, they must sell to someone. It just, maybe it's not selling to us as people who, criticize music more I guess well it's the they still sell to me believe me because <laughs> I, I can love crap music as much as I love like I, I would never like credit a um a singer that has like 15 songwriters on their album as my favorite singer or songwriter mm-hmm. but I'll definitely listen to it and enjoy it if it sounds good I think yeah. that like it's different because it's almost like um it's like somebody laboring over a beautiful wood desk that they made and it took them years and it's just all their personality was put into it mm-hmm. versus like buying an Ikea desk. Yeah. You know, it's like, I still I love, love my, my Ikea yeah, desk. I still love my <laughs> Ikea desk, but it just is, it doesn't have that same mm-hmm. care. And it's, I mean, especially in the day we live in right now where you, all you want is feed fodder and all you want is content and everybody yeah, expects podcasts. musicians. <laughs> everyone expects a musician to put out a new song every month. Yeah. And I yeah. think that for people who are expected to do that, they might need a writer's room of 15 people. It's hard to make something that comes from the heart every month, you know? And maybe as listeners or as you as a listener, maybe it's a different mode that you're listening in, you know? Totally. One time you're like just consuming radio music another time you're like listening yeah. to something emotional that someone yeah their like heart when into. I'm going running or when I'm doing the dishes and I'm not yeah. really like focused on the lyrics and I'm just enjoying the sound of the song and mm-hmm. having fun you know or just dancing and things like that I can get into some stuff that sounds like trash but then I always <laughs> do think it's funny that there's artists like that and then there's artists like Lizzo who's mm-hmm. who is you know writing her own songs I'm sure she I think she has like some songwriters who help her and edit which most studios do yeah like Lizzo's music you can tell it's coming from the heart it's coming Mm -hmm. from a specific perspective and her music is just as good and radio played as others who have 10 15 songwriters credited on every single song so I'm like it's not that you need all that yeah yeah. I don't know why people think you need all that it Mm -hmm. almost seems counterproductive because you have to pay so many yeah, extra people yeah. now that's what i was saying like from a business <laughs> perspective like what are, what are the returns on this i think it's the same perspective that why disney keeps making live remakes of their movies is yeah. that it's safe. it's safe it's like if you have more hands on it then you have more it's like a, stu- a movie getting sent to a panel and they get to watch it and edit it and, you know, then they go back and reshoot things. It's mm-hmm. like the more people tell you, yes, this is good or yes, no, this is bad. We need to change it. Then they know it'll be safe and that more people will like it. You yeah. know, it, yeah. t- you take a risk if it's only one person's like brainchild, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know why I just compared it to the Disney no, live remakes. Because <laughs> like... uh, Disney Plus is coming out in um, four days. And I'm so excited. I'm counting down. <laughs> We're recording this on the 8th of November. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, yeah. So to pivot just a little bit, um, but you know, related to all of the stuff we've been talking about, who are some like songwriters that you, you look up to and you've maybe always loved? Yeah. It's so hard. Cause I listen to so much music. Yeah. I know that it, I'm like, 
I'm so one of those people who's like, I love everything. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I definitely say like one of my biggest ones that's been in my life since I started writing music is James Mercer from The Shins. Okay. Uh, I think he writes the most complex and interesting lyrics of mm-hmm. most songwriters and they're really meaningful. And he's also a master at writing pop sounding hooks in yeah. rock music. Yeah. Um, more recently, I've been really into Lucy Dacus. You know who that is? She's part of Boy familiar. Genius with, um, okay. Uh, what's her name? Phoebe, uh, Phoebe Bridgers, Bridgers. And then what's the third one? She's the, uh, guitar player starts with a J Julia. I don't remember, but Julian, Julian Smith. Yeah. Correct. No. Yeah. Julian. Right? No. I don't think it's Smith. I think you're I can't right. believe I'm blanking. I know. I, I don't. We'll edit this out so we don't <laughs> look stupid. But Lucy Dacus, who yeah. is part of Boy Genius, but also has her own, you know, solo project first. Uh, Julian she, Baker. Julian Baker. That's right. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, but Lucy Dacus is like this really beautiful songwriter mm-hmm. and also similarly I think I have a trend in the kind of songwriters that I like because she writes good pop music yeah. but it's still sensible and um it's rock music that's has has pop elements yeah you know? she awesome. gets an emotional point across so like poignantly mm-hmm. you know she has this song called the shell that's about uh the feeling of being a shell of yourself and mm-hmm. like feeling empty walking through the streets and I've never listened to it. First of all, I've listened to that song probably more than any song in the last three years mm-hmm. over and over and over. And she has, she has a way of saying things that is so poignant and to the point, mm-hmm. but she's so, uh, um, what's the word kind of flamboyant about it. It's every phrase is like creative. It's almost like Dickensian. It's like Mm -hmm. reading a British novel from the 1800s. That's awesome. So much flourish, you Mm -hmm. know. I just love writers who write that way, and I strive to write that way too. Also, Sarah Quinn of Tegan and Sarah is a huge songwriting influence for me. She, I mean, I love Tegan and everything, but Sarah particularly (laughs) writes songs that resonate. I know. (laughs) If you're listening to this, Tegan, (laughs) but she, uh, Sarah Quinn, like writes um, excellent songs that resonate with me Mm -hmm. I think like I think that um some people try to water down their emotions sometimes yeah and I am more drawn to writers that don't and who are Mm -hmm. more uh they don't try to be relatable and somehow become more relatable in that way yeah I, I think one of the things that's just always drawn me to music I've always been into like emo music is Uh, And one thing I always said about like the type of songwriter I wanted to be like when I was 12 years old, I was like, I just, you know, I just want to write songs that um, people can take themselves and like own themselves. Yes. Whether, you know, maybe I wrote a word or a lyric about some experience I had that is nothing like the experience they had, but for some reason, like you can identify with what something said. I think that's mm-hmm. like one of the most beautiful thing about lyrics. Yeah. I mean, I've been in a happy, healthy relationship for almost 10 years, but I can still cry to a heartbreaking, mm-hmm. you know, breakup song yeah. because I can feel that person's pain, you know? Yeah. I I almost feel like I should get Dennis on the mic and just be <laughs> like, what's the other, like, what is it like to uh be in a relationship with a songwriter i won't do that right now but i think we're gonna do a podcast with like people who are in relationships with songwriters 
I can only um, imagine because yeah. I feel I feel pressure that I shouldn't say certain things yeah. or be you know too open about yeah. things. That that's actually something I w- I want to ask you about because one one issue I've always had and whenever I've been in um like writing uh, dry spells has been when I've been in a relationship. And be happy, yeah. Regardless of how healthy or not healthy it was. I felt like I couldn't write how I felt because I felt like I was under a microscope or something Absolutely. like that. And uh, not to put you on the spot because Dennis is in, in the room. Here, oh, no, it's okay. But yeah, he knows uh, what, what every it, single yeah. one of my songs are about. Yeah. <laughs> I always explain them to him. Yeah. He's usually the first person to hear them, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that helped me was realizing that I, I don't know why as a singer songwriter from the beginning, you start out thinking that the only thing interesting to write about is your relationship or your that what you're going through romantically in your life Mm -hmm. because obviously that is a big part of our lives but it's not the only thing sure and that's not I mean we spend most of our lives doing other things than our relationship and I once I started embracing writing about stuff that wasn't that Mm -hmm. it made me a much better songwriter I think because I get tired of listening to people's emotional you know turmoil I Mm -hmm. that's not the only interesting thing to talk about Um, A band that really inspired me to break out of that actually is the band Group Love Mm -hmm. because the two main songwriters of that band are in a healthy, happy relationship and have been for like 15 years. And so they have so much to talk about other than that. Yeah. And I thought that was so interesting because coming from like a lot of emo music and a Mm -hmm. lot of indie music, it's always about heartbreak or or relationship issues and so that was a, a big help. But also I think my songwriting process serves our relationship well because I don't tend to write songs about things that make me upset until much later. I don't That's I don't good. like to yeah, I'm not I'm not the kind of songwriter that sits down during a a bad time in my relationship mm-hmm. and write about it. I'm the one who months later looks back on it and writes about it. So I do have songs about hard times in Dennis and I's yeah. relationship, but they're, I usually have written them much later. Mm-hmm. So it's not like yeah. fresh in our minds and I'm just cutting him in songs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's just my writing style. So I do sure. sympathize with people who aren't like that because yeah. it, I get, I have seen people who get in, relationship problems because of the songs they've written (laughs) and I'm I always sympathize because it makes sense I mean you're just writing what you feel so and Tanner is I mean not to call out Tanner but (laughs) Tanner uh he has been through times in his life where he was writing about like the significant other in his life and he felt like okay I want I don't want to play this song yeah because or even then he moved on from that relationship and he's like I don't want to play that song anymore because now it feels like old feelings Mm -hmm. and I think that's interesting because for example a lot of the songs on the new album are about our childhood or Mm -hmm. things like that and that stuff never gets old that's stuff that everybody can relate to yeah you know it's like not everybody goes through the same relationship problems as you, but everybody grows up. That's, yeah. that's something that everybody likes listening about. You yeah. know? <laughs> um, that's so funny that you mentioned that. Uh, like for myself, I, I have an album that was like, it was an Andrew Hemmons album, but it's a Los Beekeepers album <laughs> um, called Growing Up Grizzly. And mm. it's actually about my family and about growing up. But one thing that I, I, I like kind of relate songwriting to is movies, yeah. you know, because I'm a absorber of content and oh, I yeah. love movies and TV shows, but I cry in movies and it's normally when it's like some very emotional scene about like a father and their, and their kid or, or just like the family. A lot of times oh, it's yeah. father. So have you seen the movie like, about time? 
No, I haven't. There's a scene at the end of that. Spoilers for about time. Yeah, spoiler alert. There's a scene at the end of the movie because it's a movie about time travel. And so yeah. there's a scene at the end of the movie where the son knows his dad's going to die. So he goes back to see him one last time. And that feeling is like, I mean, I, I didn't even have that great of a relationship with my dad. And I still mm-hmm. feel like I that just is a shot I mean, through the heart. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's even more poignant when you don't have a great relationship with mm-hmm. with uh you know your dad or your family members totally. uh, I, I know for me personally it's i feel like my relationship with my family is um like strong and loving but also super troubled you know like me and my dad do a lot of stuff together but we like fight and disagree at the same time absolutely and it's, you know it's hard. my mom is my best friend and my i mean she understands me more than anybody in the world and she cries every time she hears one of my songs because I've literally watched your mom cry <laughs> oh, multiple yeah. times at your shows. I know she comes to every single show. She'll drive hours out of her way to come oh. to a show, but we have had a complicated relationship mm-hmm. too. And it's yeah. like, there's been times in my life where she was the worst person in the world and not just for stupid teenage reasons, for yeah. real reasons. And, um, I think that it made us stronger. And a lot, I, I hope that for anybody who goes through bad things with their relationships with their parents is that, they're they'll both learn from it because sure. my mom learned a lot from all that time and yeah. so did I so we have a good relationship because of the bad things that we went through yeah you know? yeah you have to go through hell right yeah exactly <laughs> but dude what you were saying I feel the same way about mu- movies I almost feel that I feel more inspired to write music by movies than other mm-hmm. artists a lot of the time <laughs> that's awesome yeah um yeah I don't know if I've ever, ever been inspired by a movie but I other than the fact that I I recognize that you know, movies about especially, you know, the father child dynamic in a movie and this album that I wrote that was about my family and like all the crap that we went through at that point in my life. And yeah, I feel like I could write a follow up now because, yeah, no, you know, I mean, your family is always I, I couldn't I couldn't understand how I hadn't tapped into that already when I first started writing about that stuff, because yeah. it felt like a endless fountain of emotion and things that I could talk about when my relationship was like there's so mu- only so much I could say, you know? Yeah. yeah I don't want to like pat, um, pat both of us on the back for like <laughs> writing about our families, but I think it's such a mature thing. I think, um, you know, definitely when I was younger, it was always like either a, like a sad, mostly a sad song about some relationship yes. frustration. And I still love writing those songs. Yeah. Me but too. when I started writing about my family, I started to realize like, Oh, just like you said, there's other things out there that you can write about. There's other things that you can get emotional about and be bummed about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's a, a great thing. And on that note, as we're, um, we're reaching like our 54 minute mark. Wow. I which, can't even believe that. Yeah. This is, this is very enjoyable. Um, I know I could sit and talk to another songwriter yeah, for I know. hours and hours. We'll have to do a part two, but um, before we, we end, I wanted to know if you could like on the note of like writing about your family and, and songwriting, if you could talk about, um, you know, a song from, from the new album, you know, um, and then maybe play it. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll play you this song that's called strawberry milk. Love that song. Thank you. Um, when I was a kid, well, Tanner and I both were kids, obviously, (laughs) uh, we were obsessed with like chocolate milk and strawberry milk. And Mm -hmm. I, I was like, I get strawberry milk and you get chocolate milk. And Tanner had this talent where he could like shoot chocolate milk from his nose (laughs) as unrelated but yeah but um I always relate strawberry milk to like my childhood because 
it's one of those things that was like sort of an indulgence as a child. Like mm -hmm. you get so excited when you get to have it. But now as an adult, it's not something that I would consume really. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't drink dairy anymore, first of all. <laughs> Same. And also it's just, you know, a sugary, you know, like 400 calorie drink for no reason. <laughs> it's such a good example of like how you feel about things as a child versus how you see them as an adult. Yeah. So it's, like a metaphor for mm -hmm. <laughs> for the way I viewed myself as a child and then how I view myself now looking back at myself and being like, man, I was so hard on myself. I was so, um, I just didn't, uh, I didn't give myself enough of a break. You know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. It's like looking back at my childhood, I was such a, I was so cool. I was like the coolest little chick and I just thought I was so lame, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't think I was worthy of anybody's attention or time. And now looking back, I'm like, you would be so proud of who you are today, you know, if you could have seen yourself, you know? Yeah. So the the song is kind of you singing to yes. younger strawberry milk. Cheyenne. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's that's awesome. Um yeah. So uh we'll uh we'll do that. But before we do, I wanna ask, since this is songwriter's therapy. If you're if you're willing to share, what is the most like painful thing that you've had to write about? Sure. <laughs> uh, the final song on our album is going to be uh, a song that I wrote about our dad's death. Mm -hmm. And it's called Wings On, which is a term that my aunt, who also passed away the same year as my dad, um, used to use when she would like give me advice she would ask me do you want me to give you advice wings on or wings off and oh, wings wow. wings on would mean i will tell you what i think you should do i will get involved i will help you and wings off would be i'm just listening and sympathizing mm -hmm. you know yeah wow that's awesome i know i always thought that was Gosh. the most useful thing yeah. like to say because it's just directly asking, you know, do you want me to be involved? Do you want mm -hmm. me to be concerned if you're telling me things? Or do you want me to just listen and yeah. sympathize? But the, that's the name of the song. But the song is really about my dad. And moving on from death is mm -hmm. a hard, difficult thing. I yeah. mean, it's like the hardest thing I've ever dealt with in my entire life. I mean, I think it is for most people. Yeah, and of course. It's, it is like one of those things that's hard to write about. My dad's been passed away for three years. And I mm -hmm. wrote that song. Um a whole year and a half after he passed away and my family kind of I think looked to me like oh she's gonna start writing songs about my dad because mm -hmm. he had passed and it was such a monumental thing in our life yeah and I wasn't ready to for a long time because mm -hmm. the like I said I had a complicated relationship with my dad so the emotions around his death weren't black and white. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have, I mean, I have even experienced death in my life where it was black and white, where like my grandma passed away. I am sad. Yeah. You know, she was amazing. Yeah. I'm sad now she's gone. But with my dad, it was, I was angry at him. I was, mm -hmm. I was sad and grieving and I was missing him and all these different mixed emotions. And so the song is about, um, moving on even when you're not ready. <laughs> wow. And ha have you found that writing that song and, and even other songs, has it helped you work through any of those emotions? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Singing is, I don't even know if it necessarily has to be about songwriting, but singing in general is yeah. like the most liberating feeling in the entire world. Like if you can finally put down what you've been feeling and get mm -hmm. other people to be feel moved by it, yeah. that's the most healing thing in the world. It's like, yeah, I do find that like singing when paired with songwriting is like the ultimate form of uh, like emotional release. Cause you're like gathering your thoughts and then you're just like 
belting them out into the world, Absolutely. whether it's like you're crying or screaming or singing softly, you know, I, I, it just it's feels the, so one good. thing that makes me under, cause I'm not a, I'm not the kind of person who listens to screamo music, but yeah. I, absolutely get it yeah. i completely understand why people do it or listen to it it's it's the it's just so visceral and it comes straight from that like part of your body that you can't get out in the rest of your life but yeah. so i feel the same things as like a screamo singer yeah. feels when i'm singing i'm just singing softly <laughs> yeah well i mean i i definitely have seen you belt it whether you're like it's a dirty scream or not yeah. like i've definitely seen you um release some anger yeah release yeah. some anger or joy or, or whatever it is you're feeling in that song so um you know i i think it's uh it's such a great tool regardless of how you're expressing it but like singing and songwriting so. i totally agree i i feel like every time i feel like my emotions are so much to handle and i can't take it anymore picking up my guitar and and singing and writing about it is like yeah i mean it's just the best thing you can do it's yeah. natural you yeah. know yeah i think uh, one last question because we could talk forever, but, yeah. um, you know, with these, these things that are so dear to you and, um, you know, it, important and emotional, how, how do you feel about like taking something that's so personal and then put releasing it to the world, like via the internet on mass or something? Yeah. What's that like? Um, sometimes wonderful and sometimes awful. Yeah. I think, my instinct immediately after I, and this is not even like, I feel like it sounds egotistical to say this in some way, but at the end of a set, when we finish playing, I immediately want to go run and hide. I yeah. like, and I am not shy. I'm like the least shy person. I still in the don't know world. what to do at the end of yeah, a, a I concert. despise it. I hate when people come up and ask me about the songs and, oh. and it sucks because I, that's what I want. That's yeah. what I'm playing my show yeah. for is so that people can connect and, and, and enjoy our music and want to listen mm -hmm. to more of it. But yeah. at the end of a set, the one thing I want to do is go hide my face because it yeah. feels like I just took pages out of my diary and just like showed them to yeah. everybody, yeah. you know? Yeah. There's this sort of like, um, everyone can see you naked type yes. type feeling. And, but you know, uh, I think that more singers and songwriters are introverts than people think people uh -huh. think that like oh you can get up in front of a crowd and like <sighs> sing for 30 minutes or longer and you must be this crazy extrovert but I, I feel like I've I've had that same experience it's like okay I'm done now I'm gonna go bye yeah totally I'm really really lucky that I have my brother <laughs> because my brother knows every nuanced tiny thing that's gone on in my life mm -hmm. from start to finish other than those three years that he wasn't born yeah. yet <laughs> and so he's up there and he protects me in some unspoken way. It's like yeah. he, he went through it all too. So yeah. to me, it's like Tanner doesn't sing as much, but when he is playing guitar, I know he feels the same things I feel like he is a, an emotional person as well, just yeah. as much as I am. And so at the end of a set, he kind of takes the brunt of it all. I think he like, he intentionally runs interference between me and, and other people. That's awesome. And then a couple, couple hours after the set, then mm. I, I can talk to people about it, yeah. whatever. It's no yeah. big deal. It's just that immediate, like right after the show, mm -hmm. I feel so like, I bared it all, like you said, like yeah, naked on definitely. the stage. It's yeah. like, man, you all, all know way too much about me now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the weirdest part about it too is that people can take it however they want. Yeah. I think people probably assume most of my songs are about me and Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just yeah, because it's easy no, to kidding, think that. And I mean, it's it, what most people would assume. Yeah. And so they don't know the deep 
like contents of my life. They don't know anything that we've been through. Yeah. So they can take anything I say however they want. And that's scary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think naturally you're going to get assumptions as a songwriter, especially as people, people know you like, oh, you know, um, Cheyenne's with Dennis and this song must be about them. And I think I've definitely had my own assumptions about uh, the song Dakota. Mm. I'm like, oh, that must be about, uh, you know, uh, about Tanner or something like that. Cause Interesting. it's like, you know, but you don't have to tell me what it's about or anything unless you want to, but I just have my, I just had my assumptions. Cause it's like right. on the day you were born, mom was doing this. And then it's right. like, Oh, this might be about family. But yeah, then again, that's also like me not reading the lyrics at all. Me just like trying to listen for what I but can. But even then I, I do think it's to some degree as a songwriter, you just give that up. It's like, yeah, you, this song is for you now. And honestly, yeah. I don't even, I don't really care what you think about how it reflects on me. Mm-hmm. I want you to find something about yourself in this song, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I think uh, you expressed what I was trying to say earlier much better. <laughs> <laughs> but that song, Dakota, I actually wrote uh, on the first and only time I took acid. Oh, geez. <laughs> and I did not enjoy it or have fun. Oh, no. <laughs> and I had all these like thoughts about um, my mom. Obviously, my name's Cheyenne. It's the capital mm-hmm. of Wyoming. My mom wanted to name me Dakota. And my oh. dad, like, decided that Mm. I was going to be named Cheyenne. So it was sort of this uh, weird like thought that I had had in my head on acid where (laughs) I was like, Dakota is this part of me that died when I was born because whatever, you know, just silly, stupid things. But it was actually mostly inspired by a book I read um, called um, Fall on Your Knees by Anne-Marie McDonald. It's Mm. a really wonderful novel about a it's like about four full generations of a family mm-hmm. and kind of about passed down trauma and things like that, which I relate to a lot. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and the song is about, uh, this one section of the book where a child, there's a young girl like 14 and she gets pregnant with twins. Mm-hmm. And then her younger sister tries to baptize the twins in the river because she thinks that's what you're supposed to do to the babies. Mm-hmm. And, kills them like kills one of them accidentally in the river so it was just this weird thought that I had about like that book Mm -hmm. I was reading at the time and then I was on acid thinking yeah there's this there was this part of me that when I died they got baptized in the river and died you know and and that part of me will be gone forever and it really doesn't make any sense from that perspective but later on in life playing that song it for for me it feels like that loss of innocence that Mm -hmm. you have when you lose that chunk of you as a child you know Man, it's so interesting how you can assume something and be completely wrong. Oh, totally. I mean, isn't that what uh, John Lennon talked about with I Am The Walrus? Like he wrote I Am The Walrus to mess with his fans because mm. it was supposed to, or no, Octopus's Garden. One or no. the other, right? Uh, I, man, I'm on the spot here. Well, Octopus's Garden Which is a Ringo it? song, but Paul probably wrote it. Um, but I Am The Walrus. Uh, he wrote it so that people yeah. would infer things into it because he was tired of people inferring things into his songs. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I, I kind of think, think is like a cop out. I, yeah. I feel like the opposite of that. I feel like assume whatever you'd like about me, mm-hmm. but I'd rather you just feel an emotion. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter what it is, you know. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, thanks for being on my first podcast. Thank Diane. you this for has having been, me. Like, awesome. Makes me feel like I could do this again. You definitely can. Um, so, yeah. Thank you so much for, for talking and, and we'll record a song after this. We'll take a break first. But um before we stop talking is there anything you want to like plug to our thousands of listeners that we're gonna yeah get? of course uh, tegan and sarah are listening and yeah. mark uh mark from blink, <laughs> from blink 182. 182 is listening yeah 
Uh, you can find Pine and Palms music at pineandpalm.bandcamp.com. It's much better for us if you purchase our music on Bandcamp than listen to it yes. on Spotify. Yes. But if you want to listen to it on Spotify, it's there as well. Um, and we are going to be recording and releasing our new album, You Are the Same Person, next summer. It'll be out next summer. Yes. Awesome. Cool. Thanks. I'm going to stop recording now. <laughs> okay. This is Strawberry Milk. Draw freckles on my acne scars If clear skin's coming I can't wait Does it make me fake To put on a braver face How could somebody so crazy it's the same thing every time just one word in the wrong inflection makes me lose my mind i'm looking at the sky like universe give me some sign if i've lost parts of me am i even still alive 
This song is called Wings On. Take back parts of me from 